0: Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. He's back from his galactic voyage at Disney World, the one that you can't do for very much longer. So I know he's not going to talk all about it, but maybe he'll give us a quick opinion. Joe,
1: uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I am. I have, I'm very tired because every night at around 1 a.m., I wake up and put a headphone in. And turn on the Women's World Cup games. And like, so then I just half sleep the rest of the night and then I take a nap in the afternoon. So, hashtag summer life. But uh, getting ready to go there, you know, I'm like, the best reason to go to New Zealand is so that I don't have to wake up early to watch these games or watch them in the middle of the night. (laughs) There you go. You get to be in the right. Times,
0: where is the Women's World Cup? I should know that, and I feel stupid, but... Uh, oh, it's okay. It... It's in New Zealand,
1: Australia. So oh, okay. So we'll be in New Zealand for the last U.S. group stage game. And then hopefully, if all goes according to plan, we'll see them play their first knockout uh, game in Sydney. If they don't win the group then most likely we will watch the Netherlands in Sydney which will be fine as well. I mean I have relatives in Sydney to see. Um so it'll be good. Uh for the Galactic Star Cruiser, it was a it was a really awesome time. Um I took my two older kids. We spent a few days in Disney before then managed to, you know Sean I know we were talking before I left about the summer um because we were going at an easier pace. The summer ended up not being that bad. We would like go back to the hotel before any storms um, and it wasn't too hot. And then we'd go back at night. So that went pretty well. And the Galactic Cruiser. I mean, it was a really awesome experience. Um, I am sad to see it close. I both like understood why it costs so much money to go. um, And also understood, I think why Disney Like, they could have run it for longer. Like, they don't need to close it yet, I don't think. But I think they did a terrible job of marketing it. Everyone thinks it's like a Star Wars hotel or something, um, which it really is not. The way to think about it is, Sean, remember, like, I don't know, can you recall, like, the first time you rode Rise of the Resistance, the marquee ride of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and, like, what that felt like? I can, but I wasn't the most in love with that ride at the beginning, so I, I don't That's know. True. But yeah, I definitely can remember it. Well, the ride makes you feel like you're like part of a Star Wars story. So at, at the very least, you know, you 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 didn't like it from like a technical perspective, but in terms of like the atmosphere, I think even you would admit like it's designed to like make you feel like you're part of the story, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And it is an over the top experience, and by no means do I not like it. I just like other Disney stuff, a a few other things better. But, yeah, it's it's probably the most immersive attraction ever built and on a scale and scope that nobody had really ever done before or maybe, you know, had only been done a little bit uh, before. So this takes that and kind of puts it on steroids?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So you're, like, on a two-night stay and you're taking, like, a cruise through the galaxy or whatever. And, like, you know, a lot of jokes are that the... Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser looks like a prison on the outside because it does. There are no windows. The windows in your stateroom are like looking out into space, which was actually pretty awesome, um, and cool. In fact, it's like timed correctly. Like I didn't even realize this, but on like the last day, you take these quote unquote shuttle pods down back to the planet when you're done, and you can see them coming in on your you know out outside your window. Um, when you know, so all that kind of stuff, so they take the immersion to the next level. Um, there is a main storyline, which is basically resistance versus first order. Um, which you can guess, you know, this the timeline is set between episodes eight and nine of the movies, but then there are all these like crazy, like other storylines, and it's like this Star Wars world is happening, and you happen to be a part of it, and you take, um, part in advancing the story even though it always follows the same path it's just a lot of fun to be involved and so my kids the reason why i went well half the reason was i went was for my kids and they really connected with one of the characters there's like i thought there was only six but there's probably eight or nine actual like face characters like character actors um and so my kids really connected with one of them and really took play. Took part in helping him to advance his storyline. At some point he like called them over and called them to like a secret meeting. And you know, there's a lot the whole Star Cruiser is, it's like secret meetings are happening all the time. Almost to a comical fashion. But because he like knew my kids by name and called them, like it was really special for them. So it was a really awesome experience. And I will say the the last thing I'll say about it, Sean, is in terms of Star Wars writing, it is one of the best written Star Wars things. Or Maybe not the best written, but it is very well written as a Star Wars story. Like the finale hits like all the right character beats and also the right thematic beats that you would expect from a Star Wars story. And in fact, I found myself sympathizing with the First Order character in a way that I didn't expect I would. And you know how like good movies, you kind of get where the bad guy is coming from. You know, and I think they really did that. So whoever wrote the whole thing uh, did an amazing job. So all in all, a top notch experience. I really think it is one of the best things Disney has ever done. But the reason why it's so expensive is because if there's only 100 rooms, you know, you only there's only a certain number of housekeeping that you can hire. You know, just start with housekeeping, right? Like it just costs so much money to run this thing. And that's why it costs so much. And I think it is worth the experience, uh, at least doing it once. But. Disney marketed it terribly. Like, people just think it's a hotel and they don't realize, you know, they should have been like, hey, did you ever want to be like part of a Star Wars story? Like, this is what it is. And I think they would have attracted more people willing to pay for that, but it's too bad.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting case, right? Where they created a good product and gets good reviews. People really love it. It's unique, but it's too expensive to run. And the demand wasn't there for the price that they have to charge in order to make money. And Disney's not in a position right now where they can you know, be losing tons of money. But, you know, they did say they will do something with that building. Um, So we'll we'll see. Obviously, they're writing it down and, you know, using it for tax benefits at this point. Uh, But hopefully they do something with it. Uh, I'm glad you got to do it. And I'm sad for myself that I I never did. Uh, The reason they can't really turn it into a hotel from everything I've heard is just there's not really the logistics of a normal hotel there. You don't have all the public spaces you would have for a normal hotel. Plus, like you said, there's only 100 rooms. So you know, staffing it and everything would just be different. You would almost have to add on, right? There's no pool. To your point, there's no outside spaces. You know, if you made it a regular hotel. There's one outside space. Oh, there is. They call
1: it a climate simulator. And it's just like a door to outside. It's like, you know, the equivalent of like a garden, you know. So you're not really a prison. It's the prison yard. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty funny because they're like, oh, it simulates the uh, weather on Batu," But actually it was pouring pouring rain the first day we're there. And so they actually didn't even let us use the climate simulator. They said the weather in Batuu was too bad. So, um, you know, the really ironic thing is Sean, that if universal did this with Harry Potter, uh, it would be a slam dunk and easier to market, right? Because for Harry Potter, well, again, I think Disney really screwed up the marketing, like, I don't remember, do you remember when the kid from the Goldbergs did an ad? Yeah,
0: I remember he did the like the preview, was, right? They they released that on ter- YouTube.
1: Yeah, it was terrible. Right? But if you did this for Hogwarts, you'd just be like, Hey, come to Hogwarts for a few days, get sorted, you know, take part in a story, have fun. And it, it's like I mean, that that's easier to market and I think a lot of people would be interested in that. Imagine if you you know, I don't know how they would right, like let's say you and me were in a room together, like and you were sorted into I don't know, what what, what house are you? Harry Potter wise. I don't
0: know. Uh, uh, oh God, what is it? A Griffin is it a Gryffindor? I don't know. Yeah, I don't you know probably the house is a Gryffindor. Way. It's been a while yeah, since I've. It's been a while yeah. since I've seen. Oh, is that a, is that an insult, Joe? I, I've forgotten what's the. No, best? Gryffindor is like the evil like, one. No, brave and no? noble one. No, okay, Slytherin, that's anyway, the bad one.
1: Yeah. The only like weird thing would be like if we were in the same room and we were sorted into different houses, it wouldn't make sense for us to be in the same room or whatever. But. You know little things like that aside like i think people would really get into it i think that you could create a hotel like this without the cost
0: uh and maybe a little bit bigger i think a harry potter hotel would be amazing Uh, it's too bad universal doesn't have the land to build one like attached to their parks but that would be yeah next level and i think they could build it to a different maybe take some of the lessons that disney learned and build it to a different scale and i think it would be amazing just to stay in a hotel like harry potter heavily themed where you have different magic everywhere. Even if you don't have the over-the-top, you know, one of the costs, right, was the actors. Um, these were equity actors, right? So they're not cheap. They're not just regular cast members. Highly trained, as you said, highly great. So uh, I wonder though, you know, we, we're moving into an era for tourism and for travel that's all experiential. And we've seen Universal announce building a haunted attraction in Las Vegas. They're building a smaller experiential theme park in Texas and we see these you know area 15 here in las vegas um you know meow wolf there's all kinds of experiential stuff going on all over the country now and this really is the future and this is what this generation wants for entertainment with the tech so i don't think we'll i don't think we've seen the last of like an over-the-top themed hotel or experience you know the the role-playing larping all that stuff so uh
1: i don't know yeah I totally agree. Like, I know that probably our listeners skew more towards our age, like Gen Xers, even millennials, I think are, you know, quote unquote old these days or getting there at least. But I agree with you that things are moving more towards the experiential side of things when it comes to travel. And to use like a video game analogy, um, I think it was Microsoft's uh, Xbox One, the X-Bone, Right, they released that they were going to have you pay to be online all the time and you would get some games with it. And like the internet like revolted. They were like, This is crazy. Like, you know, why are you making us pay to like basically rent games from you? Blah blah blah. Now, ten years later, um, the whole entire game pass situation where you pay like fifteen dollars a month and you get like all these games, right? It's just normal for people who play video games. And like that concept is normal. I feel like Disney is out in front in terms of this experiential stuff. And like there there have, other, there have been other examples. Like I think there's something called Ghost Town or something like that. Like there are various LARPing things that people do, but I think this is gonna become more mainstream and Galactic Star Cruiser, we're gonna look back and be like, it was ahead of its time. Maybe they started it too early and the market wasn't there yet. It'll remain to be seen whether people <laughs> will be able to use miles and points for this. Um, you know, if legislation gets passed, maybe we won't be able to get you to miles and points for anything. But, you know, at, at the very least, I think in terms of travel, people are going to be looking for these things, like you said.
0: So what's the latest with that legislation? They're trying to to put the, the so Dick Durbin for years, he's the guy who got the amendment for the debit card act. He's the one who got the debit card act passed, you know, what, a decade or so ago. And uh, he's trying to introduce a bill that limits credit card rewards. Uh, And limits, you know, what can be charged on interchange fees and all of that. And uh, they were trying to sneak it
1: into the Defense Authorization Act. Is that right? Yeah, I saw that they were like trying to make it as as a rider or something like that. But I don't think it snuck through. Um, I I think something like that is probably not going to get snuck through. And, you know, um, I I don't know if I would consider the points guy a miles and points site anymore. It's just more a general travel site. But, you know, when they're lobbying... Against things that, uh, you know, it's probably it's gonna it's it's not gonna just pass. I don't think it would just pass like without uh, any kind of fight or anything like that. I think, I think even the banks, in a lot of ways, in fact, probably the banks more so want the credit card points and loyalty schemes to exist because that's what it's a loss leader for them. That's what draws a lot of people in and then gets them into the into debt, et cetera, et cetera you know, pay off your credit cards on time, please, if you're trying to play this game.
0: Yeah, the banks absolutely don't want this. Uh, they, this is a, a big moneymaker for them, a huge moneymaker for them. And they're, I, you know, one of the largest lobbying arms uh, in Washington. And, you know, banks like Chase, they are definitely lobbying against this. As you pointed out, the Points Guy has this whole campaign against it as well. And the Points Guy is not a blog. It's a major media site and uh, this is really going to be an attack on their whole business model right because they rely heavily on credit card commissions to support uh, their whole you know ecosystem everything that they're doing there and obviously if uh, this bill passes uh, this will heavily affect the credit card industry but it'll affect all of you guys too because you know it's going to heavily restrict the ability to earn points and we saw that happen with debit card fees and i've always been on like two sides of this on one side like i recognize that miles and points exist or at least they exist in the way they do in the U.S., the way we can earn them, the welcome offers, everything else, because on the flip side, people are not being responsible and they're paying interest and they're paying fees and stuff like that that make the entire thing profitable. Also, we're paying you know, what, anywhere from one and a half to three, three and a half percent as part of interchange fees on everything we buy. And while, you know, it's becoming increasingly more common for merchants to pass that on, just think about gas stations having a cash price versus a credit price, restaurants adding surcharges, all of that. But even the ones that don't pass it on, they are passing it on, right, just in their prices. So we are paying for that in one way or the other. So from a consumer standpoint, I definitely see the point in, in looking at this and saying, why are we... Uh, in an age, especially with the technology we have, where you can have, where the cost to do a transaction is very, very low, right? It's not three percent. It's not costing Visa and Mastercard three percent to process the transaction. Why are we doing this? Uh, why are we, you know, pushing this whole ecosystem that's driving people in the debt and, and everything else? So I, I see that point on that, but on the other side, uh, it definitely has helped us obviously travel a lot. And it's not quite you know clear cut. If you take all this away, you're not going to eliminate a lot of those other problems either. So, you know, it, it's a tough thing. But at the end of the day, the credit card companies, the banks, they are heavily behind this. They tried to do the same thing last year, by the way. They tried to sneak this exact same bill into the defense authorization, and it got kicked out. So I'm assuming it'll happen again. And don't forget that Joe Biden is from Delaware. He was the senior senator. senator he was the senior senator from Delaware forever. Delaware, the most bank-friendly state in the United States. A lot of banks are based there. He knows the banks very well. So I think, you know, Joe Biden probably on their side as well as as a lot of other things. Not to get too into politics here, but hopefully the same thing will happen as happened last year. And it'll just get kicked aside.
1: And uh, Dick Durbin, though, he's not going to give up. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I mean, you know, I – so – Obviously, I have a lot of students who have benefited from the Dream Act, and that was uh, also Dick Durbin's baby. So you know, politicians—they do things we like, they do things we don't like. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. Um, so anyway, yeah, we'll see. I I don't think I just even if you look at it from a cynical perspective, the it's really hard to see the banks losing. They rarely lose these kinds of things, and so. Um, you know, and I really do think the argument can be made that these miles and uh, these loyalty schemes can end up being predatory. So I totally, even though I don't want this to pass personally, I, I can see where the argument is coming from. So you um, can see both sides, which isn't always the case.
0: And there's definitely unintended consequences of some stuff. A lot of the stuff from the debit card act, a lot of the banking regulations passed after the Great Recession, uh, really were designed to keep banks from getting from becoming too big to fail, and banks like Chase and Wells Fargo Bank, they're bigger than they've ever been. Chase is bigger by multitudes than it's ever been. Uh, so basically the, all the regulation designed to keep the banks smaller, what it did was stop new banks from forming because of all the amount of regulation and compliance and everything else, it's really hard to start a bank, and it allowed the bigger banks to become bigger because they have 8 million lawyers and they can comply with everything. So. It's interesting, and who knows what the consequences of this would be. Maybe it would just be that prices would be lower around the board. But as the banks point out, as Visa and Mastercard point out, if they lower interchange fees, that doesn't mean prices will probably be lower for you. It's not like they're going to to take that out. So it doesn't mean that it's going to be passed on consumers, but that's what they're arguing. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. But I can't imagine many people in this hobby would be very happy uh, to see miles and points go away because that would be... I mean, that's the end game, right? We always talk about deals dying, Joe, right? And it's like, it's the end of the world. This is it. You know, we've both been in this hobby a long time. And, you know, you've seen everybody, the sky is falling, it's all over. But if this passes, it's pretty much all over. So, I mean, it's it's there may be a little bit here and there, but it won't be anything like we see now.
1: Yeah, I wonder, I mean, just because, even for the airlines, right, the loyalty programs are such big money, I wonder what kind of schemes they would come up with to get people loyalty points and then i wonder if there would still be obviously the whole credit card angle of miles and points would die but you know it would be it would be fun to see only in a theoretical sense i don't actually want to see this happen how the game is always going to be there even if there's no credit card rewards just because the airlines want to trick us into giving us giving them our money for loyalty right there are going to be ways to gin up loyalty. So the question is, you know, how uh, are we going to be able to do that? So, you know, hopefully we never find out though, because I'm too old to learn new tricks, Sean, barely, barely can handle the tricks I already know.
0: Yeah. And we see that in like other markets where they have rules like this and they still do have credit cards and rewards are just not nearly as lucrative and there's still opportunity. So uh, we'll see, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, Benji this week, he wrote about forget cents per point. And I like this because he's, he's talking about hotel points and saying basically throw out the cents per point value of hotel points because we always get like bogged down and okay, how much is this worth? I see this all the time with Hyatt, like in the Hyatt groups, you know, somebody will say, okay, well, I got 1.6 cents. That's not good. I've talked many times on this show. How about 1.5 cents per point for Hyatt points is good for me. Um, you know, but I'm not too crazy with that is if it's a good redemption, it is. But Benji ranked his uh, top eight hotel programs based on, I guess, footprint, based on everything but the value of the points. And, you know, I don't – number eight for him, Joe, is Sinesta. And he has this weird obsession with Sinesta. But is Sinesta even, like, worthy of being on this list? Is Have you ever stated a Sinesta?
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Me neither. He,
1: I mean, look, this is why we love Benji, you know. He, he uh, finds value – where uh, others may not he says sinesta having relatively few
0: properties is a positive although he dings hyatt uh, down on the list uh, doing it i'm just messing with with you benji but yeah he had that sinesta card there is a co-branded card for them so i know some people do like that then best western wyndham ihg he has hyatt at number four this is probably controversial but benji's not the biggest hyatt guy and yeah i honestly
1: was surprised he had it that high like for benji I was surprised he had a number four.
0: Well, he had some good stays this year, but I think a big thing for him is the footprint. Um, And, you know, he just isn't as huge a fan of them. Uh, He goes on to say Marriott Bonvoy, then Choice at number two. And we make fun of Benji a lot uh, in the Diamond Lounge and stuff because he is, we always say he likes those lower tier properties. Uh, But he does like to take road trips, and, and I've done that. I haven't used Choice Privileges nearly as much. I talked about how I used it in... Copenhagen, and I really loved it there. What a great redemption that was. I think it was 20,000 points a night, so it's 10,000 thank you points per night because it's a two-to-one uh, transfer to choice, and that was an incredible value for me, and there's a lot of values in Scandinavia, but uh, in the U.S., choice? No, not... not. How, how could you rank choice number two,
1: Joe? Tell me. Explain it to me. I cannot explain it to you. You you know I can't explain this to you. <laughs> you're just You're just... Sending me up. I mean, he brings up a good point that like choice is bringing in the domestic Radisson properties. And then reading this article, I didn't even realize there was a choice card from Wells Fargo, which is 5X at grocery. Um, Also, since, you know, Amex doesn't seem to like people spending money at grocery anymore, maybe that gives you more value. But I, I think I've said it many times like, I think of miles and points about as like giving me the chance to stay in like nicer properties for either the same or less money than I would normally. Like I'm I'm like a choice hotel. It's just, it's just not moving the needle for me. And yeah, maybe if I'm driving cross country and I need to make some stops, that'd be good. But you know, I'm just, it's, it's not getting me out of bed in the morning.
0: Yeah. And he's talking about which points he's pursuing based on these rankings. And yeah, I don't get it with choice. Obviously he, uh, he does. The other big thing with choice I think is they don't release award space to what is it? 90 days out or something like that. Uh, so it makes it a little difficult to plan ahead, um, but you know they are part. They have Circus Circus here in Las Vegas, Joe. So that's a reason to get Choice Points alone is just to get a free night at Circus Circus. And then he also has Hilton at number one, and I don't disagree with this because Hilton, they really do have the most robust credit card lineup, the ability to earn points. They have a huge, uh, they have a huge footprint. The elite benefits aren't terrible. Uh, you can get diamond status fairly easily and you know internationally you get treated very well with that domestically you get some benefits the food credit stuff like that so i, I agree with number one hilton i mean i i do like hyatt um i do think you know the ability to earn ultimate rewards for hyatt uh, adds a lot to that even if their co-branded credit card isn't nearly as maybe lucrative as some of the hilton offerings but and of course hilton has those great free night certs hyatt doesn't so for me hyatt probably number two but hilton i agree Number one, and I always want to have Hilton points. That's a currency that I always want to have a decent amount of so that I can, you know, fill it in. It's definitely my number two hotel program, but it's one that I wouldn't want to go
1: without. Yeah, I definitely agree. Just Hilton in terms of ubiquity it just really goes a long way. Like you don't have to worry about finding a Hilton in most cities that you're going to go to, which, you know, I know that we love Hyatt, but I mean, that is a problem constantly. Um, so I think Hilton deserves its number one spot. I don't love the redemption numbers sometimes, but I think typically if you put the work in, you can get Hilton redemption numbers that work for you. Most times, um, there are some properties where like everything is a considered a premium room or whatever. And then the redemption rates are nonsense, but, um, you know, especially in shoulder season and stuff like that, it's definitely doable. And those free night starts are just beautiful.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Hopefully Hilton Keeps them the way that they are. So I was uh, going through Twitter and I found this tweet about this airline. You mean X? Oh, yeah. X. Oh, man. Don't get Joe started on. uh, Don't get me started.
1: Don't get me started.
0: Are you you using threads a lot? I haven't been using it at all.
1: I mean, I've been using it. I'm like, I'm hoping more people will come over. Uh, There's I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they need to work on, I think, to make it better. But it's just I mean. It's just so Twitter is so badly run right now. You just even even if the bottom doesn't fall out. And I will say that like people and it might be because not everyone's over there yet, but it's just a lot less toxic over there right now.
0: So there you go. There's an endorsement for threads. But over on Twitter, I saw this tweet about this guy. His flight got canceled by Delta at JFK. So he goes on to Google and he Googles, you know, Delta JFK because he's trying to find the phone number to call them to get you know his flight fixed and on Google there's a phone number that apparently is a scam phone number and so he calls and then they're trying to get information from him he seems like it's suspect so he ends up hanging up it does turn out that it's a fake phone number so they were trying to get his credit card number basically stuff saying they would rebook the flight for him probably just taking his information Uh, and then he actually went and looked and there was tons of other airlines with their Google listings for JFK Airport where they had changed the phone numbers. So apparently there's a way to hack Google's SEO or whatever in order to get different phone numbers on there. So that's just a reminder, I wanted to put that out there, I wrote about it. You know, always go to the airline's website, verify the phone number directly that you're calling. Uh, I guess that's a good, that's good advice these days probably for anything. Just think about how often you Google something trying to find a phone number. And you know, the thought that maybe these aren't accurate or that they could be taken advantage of. Uh, you know, banking, all kinds of stuff. This brought to mind that we should probably be a little bit more careful uh, when looking up phone numbers.
1: Google algorithm is such trash these days. Like, I think that the reason why the scams have increased is because Google is just not doing a good job with its algorithm. And like, you know, that guy said on Twitter, like they don't check either. So it's just it's like becoming like the wild wild west again like what is this web crawler you know so this is like a it's just it's just a mess and it's really frustrating like every time google just ignores one of its products it's super frustrating but actually the search engine was supposed to be your like that was originally your core project product and so that's all really frustrating the other thing that is frustrating um and i guess this gives maybe google a small modicum of uh grace in this situation but i needed to call qantas for something and it took me like eight clicks to find the phone number you know it was like i clicked on contact us but then they want me to chat with their bot or whatever and like so i had to keep you know i had to go to the menu at the very bottom with like the little links to finally find the contact number and so for reasons i don't understand or maybe i do understand because the phone lines are got to be populated by real people the airlines seem to be burying their phone numbers. And that's really frustrating, too.
0: Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, at some point, a cost of doing business is providing customer service, you're an airline, Uh, people need to call you, you need to, like, not do that. That's ridiculous. And, you know, which leads us into the next story, which is American Airlines is automating a lot of their customer service responses. So apparently, uh, one mile at a time wrote about this, when they get a high demand time, so when they're getting a lot of emails, they will Push their customer service emails off to an automated system that will send one of two replies. And basically, if your delay or your issue is uh, based on mechanical, on their fault, it's their fault, they'll give you a $25 voucher or 2,500 miles automatically. Uh, if it's not, then they won't give you anything. But basically, when you email American Airlines going forward, and according to One Mile at a Time, they're the only airlines doing this. You're going to get a boilerplate response if they're using this automated system and then you're going to have to follow up and basically this is just creating more work for their agents because people are getting mad because you know the email the automated email from their system isn't addressing your problem right it's sent out to everybody so it's another example of like you know they're trying to cut back on their costs and you know what what does it mean for the customer experience and you know we talk about and right now where we have like a writer strike in hollywood and all this and ai kind of looming over i wonder what the ai you know future is for customer service especially text-based customer service and how frustrating it's going to be for customers as we evolve into that because obviously we're not going to get to a point where they have systems that work great we're going to end up with crap like this where they send out these automated emails uh, but yeah so if, if american do better and if you're getting a, like a boilerplate response from them, you can you know follow up and hopefully get to a human. There's also certain keywords, apparently, that it's looking for that will get you directly to a human. Uh, One Mile at a Time mentioned something about disability, so I'm not going to say that that's a hack to get you to a human, but there, there might be other words that are not disability uh, that get you there that you might want to include if you can figure out what those are so that you don't have to deal with this.
1: You know, the other annoying thing is it's not even good. Right? I think I've talked about this before but like when I call aA when they ask me for my uh s- secret word or whatever I have, I say it like six times I I'm exaggerating I think I say it three times and it's not a hard word and I think after the third time the computer gives up and just puts me through right so they they, they can't even hear you know I know I know I have a deep voice or whatever but they can't even like understand what we're trying to say so you know I, I just think and then if you haven't seen uh, Leslie's r- little rant about this uh, AI website content mill, um, you can check out her tweet on Tykes It went a little bit viral. It's just trying to automate everything. I'm you know, i not like a technology hater. I'm sure in like 15, 20 years, a lot of this stuff is going to be automated and it's going to feel seamless. But like right now, as the companies are trying to figure it out and trying to cut costs during the recession or whatever, it's, it's just a mess no ai writers by the way like i think art needs to be created by humans and uh, i support the writers and the actors got to say that
0: yeah i think in 10 or 15 years you're probably going to call up any company and you're going to be talking to an ai uh, and it's going to be mature enough that it can understand you like a human can and and do most of at least the basic customer service stuff and i expect that that's going to happen and it's going to be you know be a digital voice that can understand you and hopefully it'll work uh, but your point companies are going to be pushing the boundaries on this as they, you know, try to use this emerging technology to save money. And, you know, obviously the American airlines example is not AI. It's just an automated email response. It's like from, you know, 20 years ago or something. Uh, It's really just them being cheap and not having enough staff to deal with stuff and basically saying it's okay. You know, we're, we'll deal with this. Our customers will deal with this instead of hiring more people and that's not good but yeah what leslie talked about was a site that was creating ai generated content Uh, and to your point about google right google's trying to look for sites that are written by real people and so they're trying to use all these different back-end tools to say okay i know who sean coomer is Uh, i see his social media profile on twitter i see that he has an instagram here i see he writes on miles to memories i see he has a facebook page it's putting all that stuff together and so when i write something it's saying okay well i know he's a real person And it's doing that for everything. And so what they did was they created Twitter profiles uh, trying to create basic uh, digital footprints for their authors who were all made up and AI generated, right? So they're just fake. And so you're going to see more and more of that. And so they have bios. There's even tweets from these authors. They're basically trying to create online personas for fake people so that they, so Google thinks they're real authors. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it all just gets more complicated by the day. Uh, I, you know, I have mixed feelings about AI as far as writing. Um, I, I think it's inevitable that it's going to happen. I definitely think uh, what the writers and actors in Hollywood are asking for uh, is interesting, and it's going to be the first of many battles. We're going to see this battle happen in almost every industry uh, because, you know, a lot of people are going to to lose their jobs, and a lot of the stuff is being fed by, you know, writers and all the content that we've put out there. So it's an interesting argument all around, uh, but... Yeah, automated customer service coming your way from American Airlines, the airline that never disappoints. I don't know what to do. But the one thing that Ben points out here, and this is the travel hacking angle, he says, and this is very true, that because they give that automated $25 compensation, if you were someone who liked to complain a lot... Uh, but didn't want a whole lot of points. Maybe you could you know, just send an email after every flight and get your $25, 2,500 free miles. I wouldn't do that. We talked about Hilton shutting people down, um, but yeah, I know, was gonna it's say, automated. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's true. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, didn't we just talk about someone getting his account shutting down for uh, complaining too much? But yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I just, I, I feel too old for this stuff. I, I don't know how I'm going to handle it all. I'm sure. I'm going to have to start. You know, my kids... Yeah, your kid, you can probably ask him. Like my kids, I need them to get a little bit older so they can understand all this stuff so I can just ask them about it. Uh, I'm getting to that phase of my life. You know, in a decade when they're old enough to understand it, I think I'll be ready to just outsource everything to them.
0: My son is like an old man, so um, I mean, he uses tech, but he doesn't – he's not – yeah, I don't think he understands it better than I do. You
1: raised him right, Sean. You yeah, raised him yeah right.
0: exactly. But yeah, it's it- – it's really a crazy world, and just thinking about what things will be like in ten years, from every perspective, the way that this is going to change everything, uh, is insane. Including what we do, and obviously what we do on the site, and 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 everything. And you know, you're going to have to be more proactive about where you get your information from. You're going to see these fake authors. You're going to see these fake content creators. Uh, you're going to see a lot of bad information, uh, and you know, you're going to see a lot of good stuff too. So uh, it'll be interesting. And I just wanted to close with this article that Benji also wrote, uh, Chase Ultimate Rewards Redemption, How 1.25 Outperforms 1.5. And, you know, basically this is his way of trashing on the Chase travel portal, which, you know, I agree with. So for the backup Sapphire Reserve, you earn 1.25 cents, or you can do pay yourself back in certain categories at 1.25 cents per point. So that means that you charge money in a certain category, uh, like grocery, for example, if that's the category, and they change these every few months. And you know, you can cash in your points to cover that charge at 1.25 cents each, and a lot of people do that. But you can cash in your points at 1.5 cents each towards travel in the Chase Travel Portal. And Benji's basic argument is he'd rather take the cash at 1.25 cents than take the travel at 1.5 cents. And there's really uh, a lot of good reasons behind that obviously chase doesn't always have the best rates the book the bookings don't always earn points right because it's seen as like a third party booking certain offers don't kind of stack with the portal and you know there's no points earning on chase travel portal, portal spending right if you cash out then and then you go to a hotel and use your credit card to pay then now you're earning points in that way and you know customer service is terrible too and so if you like add all that up are you really getting the extra value and, you know, while this specific to Sapphire Reserve, I think it's a good thing to look at for any card and any sort of strategy you have. Are you getting that extra value that you're actually looking at? Is it worth it? And, you know, in this case, cash is king. So having that 1.25 cents, I think he makes a pretty good case for why you would want to do that instead of cashing in for travel. And that's somebody, if you've listened to this show a long time, you know that I've had so many headaches with the Chase Travel Portal, and I always seem to forget about it. And then I usually do activities through it. And I've had so many problems, I don't know why I do it anymore. I really don't. And Benji just giving me a good reminder, just cash
1: out the stupid points. Yeah, I mean, obviously small sample size, but I've had three friends use Chase Travel Portal this summer, not including you, and all three of them ran into issues and, like, big headaches because of it. One was, like, a canceled flight, and then it was, like, a mess to, like, you know, get refunded and, like, rebook it and all that stuff. So I think for the extra point two five cents per point, plus... Like he points out, you are earning some back, um, you know, not not enough to make up 0. .025 cents 25 per point, but like it's more than nothing. Eventually, you know, and at this point in our lives, you know, our time is our money. So, exactly, exactly, and it's just another outside the box. I like to
0: highlight when he writes about this stuff. Obviously, Benji likes to write this stu- this type of content, and it, it's just a good reminder. What to a think contrarian! About that. That Benji. Yeah, what a contrarian! But I'll tell you, like I have. Amnesia when it comes to the Chase Travel Portal. I don't really book flights through there anymore. Um, I've booked an occasional hotel through there when I'm, like, in a city. I think, like, when we were in Lithuania last year and there weren't any chain hotels, I just grabbed a hotel through there. Um, I have done that, but the activities are usually what I do, and it's always a mess, and it doesn't make any sense. And i got to remember, every time I try to do that, to just back slowly away from the computer because... Sometimes the tickets don't come. I've gotten better, like, uh, I forget where we were. It was just when we were in Asia somewhere, and, you know, they didn't get it, and then I was able to pull up the WhatsApp of the company and, like, WhatsApp them. Um, So I've gotten better at, like, going directly to the companies and trying to overcome the issues, but, like, what's so hard about getting a a voucher? Uh, And I I guess you have to blame Viator because they're the ones who are on the back end supplying a lot of this stuff, and so a lot of the tours you don't get, I don't know. It's crazy, so uh just do that but remember thinking outside the box. Joe, I'm 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 jealous that you I'm never going to get the Galactic Star Cruiser experience. I'm never going to get, you know, checking off all my Disney fan boxes. Obviously, I haven't been to Alani yet. I haven't been to Disney Cruise Line, been to to everywhere else, but I'll never get that Galactic Star Cruiser. So, uh, I I I'll never be able to get the
1: perfect scorecard that you have. Well, I don't have a perfect scorecard either, but uh yeah it was a great experience and don't worry if you have FOMO it's uh, for anyone out there, it's pretty much sold out uh, until it closes on September 30th. So, you know, you don't have to worry about it. The the crazy thing I found, Sean, is there are people have gone like three, four times. Like this is their, you know, how people like buy season tickets to sports and things like that. Like this is that for them. And so a lot of emotions in that community, but yeah, glad to have done it. Um, And also like we had talked about on This podcast, I was glad to like have done it and not really be covering it and just getting to enjoy that with my kids, especially with the type of jobs that you and I have, Sean, like we don't get to do that a lot. And so getting the chance to do that was really nice. I didn't put anything on Instagram or threads. The only thing I put was I put the picture up before we got on and that's the only thing I posted and that felt great. Now you
0: just went against it though and talked for five minutes here. No, but you're you're not going to talk. I'm I'm just kidding there. But you're not going to talk on Disney Deciphered about it, not doing the review or anything. You haven't backtracked on that.
1: No. Uh, So what I did was I did like when for our patrons on Disney Deciphered, like when we're in the parks, we record live, Um, and so I did that. And I think I will do one more. But like the only thing I found is like I want to talk about the experience, especially with spoilers. Um, and so I'll probably leave that on patreon only but yeah we're not gonna do anything on the main episode about it so um yeah feels great all right well uh, you're gonna be gone the next couple weeks right that's right go USA uh we'll be back for the 14th episode Sean I think I'll be able to do that one so uh, august on the august 14th 14th yeah so we'll have to figure that out
0: all right Joe well enjoy your trip and where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine
1: podcast you can find me on x at as i i bet you by the time i come back by the way it won't even be called x anymore like remember remember when our tweets were limited for 12 hours what an idiot uh at as joe flies all over social media and if you're looking to book a trip joseph chung at travelmation.net what about you sean
0: at miles to memories all over social media including on x and threads facebook everywhere instagram uh, you can find us doing Vegas stuff, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. This podcast, mtmpodcast.com. There's links to subscribe there, links to apply for cards if you're interested in supporting the show. And uh, always, and of course, everything at miles to memories.com. That's all our posts, podcasts, videos, everything we do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya.